You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Marty, good to have you here today. How are you? We'll start with you. How are you? Hello. Is he gone? No, no, I'm here. Sorry, sorry. Yes, I'm very well. Thank you, Johnny. It's a beautiful sunny day, and I'm feeling good. There's uh-huh. a song okay, about fantastic. There. Fantastic. Bruce, how are you today? Uh, doing well. Yeah, nice day here as well. So let's go ahead and get started. So today we're going to step away from politics. You know, I've been ranting and raving for the last two or three days. So it's it's time to take a step back. Now, we've been doing some of these recently and we've been kind of revisiting things and we're only revisiting the ones that were that we did that were away from politics that we think are relevant to the current time. And we did this one what, a month ago, two months ago, it feels like something like that. I I don't know. I can't quite remember. But now's a great time to go back and do a refresher on this. And so I think within the society chaos and everything that we're seeing and our societal chaos and everything that we're seeing, I think now's a great time to go back and revisit this particular subject. And that is home security. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to keep a safe and secure home. We're going to talk about things that you can do We're going to talk about how people operate in the world of theft and crime. We're going to talk about typical items that you have around your house, what you can do as far as bolstering security in your residence and around your residence. And also, we're just we're going to kind of sum up uh, towards the end of it uh, pretty much what overall security means to uh, to each one of us and how you should kind of put more focus into the thought of your own home security, because now is a, is a time that people need to be looking at that, especially, as I said, with all the chaos you're seeing you know, on the television, and, and maybe it's in your town, I don't know. But now's a great time to, uh, to re-examine that, because as much as I hate to say it, if these mobs in the streets are not dealt with sooner or later, they're going to get tired of staying in the cities, and they're going to move outwards into the suburbs. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Where would you guys like to start? I'm open to suggestions here. Uh, do, do you guys want to start with kind of basically how people operate in this world of, of theft and crime and all that stuff? Do, do we want to start there? Because I think that's kind of where we went last time. We could start with that. Now, just a few days ago, you read out to me uh, a piece which was the the Redneck Home Security System. Did I? Um, oh, do, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. You, have you got it? Because uh, in a little while, you should. Re- I think you could read that to our to our listener. Let me check. So let me see if I've got it. Because um, it made me laugh. It was hilarious. I think I read it on a podcast once. I can't remember. I have it. Yeah, I got it here. I got it here. Here it is. Yeah. How to install the Southern Home Security System. Yeah, I got, <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, save that for a minute or two. The first thing I wanted to talk about is people coming to your door. Who you let in. I've watched countless videos recently, and and it's all in America, and it's all people exercising their rights not to provide ID, not to answer questions unless... The, the you know they are suspected of a crime, and if you've got someone knocking on your door dressed as a police officer, you need to be certain that they are who they say they are before they they come into your house. Now, if they've turned up with uh, one of those battering rams, a SWAT team, two canine teams, and a search warrant, whatever you say at the front door isn't going to stop them coming in. However, if it's just a normal inquiry and you're not sure. Uh, because let's face it, 
anyone can put a uniform on. There are ways and means of ensuring that they are who they say they are. First of all, you ask to see their identification. And I believe most of them have business cards now that they have to hand out. And that will have the number of their supervisor on. And you can leave them on your doorstep, shut the door, telephone their office and check that they are who they say they are and that they've got reason to be at your property. That was a thought for me earlier. And it doesn't, I'm not just talking about the police. I'm talking about the gas man, the guy from the electricity board, the water company technician, anyone who turns up at your door and wants entry and you're not expecting them, check who they are and phone their office. If they don't give you the details where to phone, you know, they're they're either going to make a hasty exit or they're going to start arguing with you. And if they start arguing with you, that's all the more reason to shut the door in their face and double check that they are who they say they are. That's my first point of the evening. You know, that's a good that's a good place to start, because last time we really didn't talk too much about con men. We kind of walked over it a little bit. But if I recall right, we kind of walked over it a little bit. but We really didn't get too much uh, into it. But you're right that you should ask for identification before opening the door and things of that nature. But if there are other circumstances, such as you said, with the battering ram and a couple of canine units, and it's entirely possible that that these could be con men Uh, and people do fall for that. So one of the other things that you mentioned there were utility workers, you know, utility workers, somebody like the gas man or something like that. Contractors, that's another big thing that people do a lot of work around their house and they'll bring in contractors. Do background checks on contractors or any kind of unsolicited help. I mean, sometimes you do have people coming around knocking on doors or doing door knocking, asking, you know, do you need, you know, it looks like you got some gutters that have a problem here. You have, you know, some siding or or whatever it is on the side of your house that needs fixed. You know, we're happy to do that for you. Well, do some background checks on them. Ask around. See if anyone's ever heard of that. Have them leave a card and tell them you'll call them. Don't just take them straight in. Now, unless you call somebody to come over and perform a service precisely, you should not let them in. Right. You, you shouldn't do that, especially if you've got these people that are looking to either do you harm or steal something from you. Right. A lot of times these guys that go around and do this kind of work. Right. They're con artists. Right. They'll put on a front. So they'll make themselves look like you know, a plumber, a painter, a tree trimmer, a gas man, you know, whatever. And they'll often show up with one other person to make it kind of look a legit business opportunity and that kind of stuff. So one might lure you outside to talk about the service there, uh, I'm doing the air quotes, offering, right? That kind of stuff. And while you're in the in the process of learning about this service that they're offering, the other guys in your house going into your door after you're taken out around the side and being shown some nonsense and talked about, they're inside helping themselves to your belongings while you're being kept distracted and busy. Yeah, I think con men, great point to start there. Uh, a lot of people really don't pay too much attention to that because in my experience, you know, people are good minded people on average, on average. And the biggest fallacy of people that are good minded, right, that's their biggest strength. But at the same time, it's it's a double standard because it's it's also their greatest weakness because they, by default, have it in their head that, well, if, if I'm not going to do something bad, then no one else is going to do it either. So they become susceptible to that just through their own goodwill. And so, yeah, it's a great point you start with there. Yeah, thanks. Vulnerable people, you know, people who live alone, who might need help, you know, when someone knocks on the door and says, oh, I can fix your guttering for you, that, you know, that they might welcome that at first. Another thing, another danger for these vulnerable people is if they're lonely and someone knocks on the door, they have a chance for a chat, but they just have to be aware that not everybody um, who knocks on your door is going to be honest. So yeah, it's really important to, if it's an unsolicited call, double check, 
that they are who they say they are and have reason to be there. Bruce, you want to jump in there? Get anything you want to say on that? Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, one thing with the, the law enforcement knocking on your door. You mentioned, you know, finding out who they are before you let them in. Technically, you don't even have to let them in unless they have a warrant. I just like to point that out. If you're not mm-hmm. interested in having guests, uh, if you mm-hmm. will, yeah, they, they have to have a warrant. Would you know what a warrant looks like? Because I'm damn sure I don't. So even if they put one under my nose, I couldn't be certain it was what it says it is. Uh, you know, a court order or a, a search warrant issued by a judge. This this is kind of advice to those that feel they might actually fall foul of this. Because unless you're involved in some kind of criminal activity, you are highly unlikely to have your house searched under warrant. But it might pay all of us to, to go and have a look online or at the local, you know, the municipality or local government offices and ask them to show you what their official stamp looks like or the the court stamp or whatever, so that you could recognize a warrant. Could you recognize a warrant, Bruce, if one was put under your nose? Could you be certain of the veracity of the piece of paper? That I don't think I could. So me neither. I've got a feeling Johnny probably could, but... You know, that's two out of three, which in this case is bad. So 66% of us wouldn't recognize a search warrant if it was put under our nose. So it's, it's worth going to have a look just so you know. So if it does happen, then you know whether or not to let those people in. Because in actual fact, police, uh, you know, law enforcement, if they've got a warrant and it's legitimate and you start to hold them up in the doorway, they're usually antagonistic enough just to barge straight through because they've got the warrant. That's not what polite society is all about. If you say, can I see the warrant? And they show you, would you be able to recognize a real one? That was my point. (laughs) To answer your question, yes, I could recognize one. You do have to have an official letterhead from a court and then it has to be stamped and notarized as well. So uh, that's how you're able to find it. And you cannot just make up those notary stamps. In the US, I don't know if it's the same in the UK or not, but in the US, you have to have the notary stamp. So not only do you have the stamp from the court, but you also have to have the thing notarized. And that's a special stamp that that actually forms the stamp through the actual document itself. So you can't just make it up. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like those things are kept yeah. very highly highly regarded. <clears throat> and only state licensed notaries can actually do that. So Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure what the what the routine here is in the in the UK, but if there's a similar routine, uh, it might be a magistrate's court. If a warrant has been issued, it would probably be issued by a magistrate, and it will have a similar kind of stamp. But it's kind of a weird question, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that you think you're never going to need to know because no one's ever going to come to your house and, and and search it with a search warrant. But the day it does happen, you will not know what a search warrant looks like. So you won't know whether what's being put under your nose is real or not. And I believe nowadays most of these things are done electronically. So a copy of the the search warrant is sent to the leading investigators or you know the policeman's mobile phone to his smartphone. So you're probably only ever going to see it on a screen. It's a tricky one. Uh, in fact, we probably should go away, do a bit more investigation and come back with a definitive answer on how do you confirm that you know a court order or a search warrant is the real article. Okay, we shall do that. So we're, we're going to have to move on here. But that is good. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I like doing these topics because we can continuously come back to these topics later down the line. So that's why I like doing these because there's always a 
an additional point we could add to it later. So that's why I like doing this. And of course, you know, doing refreshers like we're doing right now. So I wanted to jump over into basically how people operate in the worlds of, uh, you know, theft and, and burglary and, and criminality and things like that. And I covered this a little bit last time, but I, I, I think it's important to try and refresh this. But basically, I said last time that these types of people, the ones that intend to do you harm, which, you know, somebody comes in to rob your house or, or uh, break into your home or, or damage your property or whatever, that's an assault by by any definition, right? Whether or not you're home or not, it doesn't matter because the psychological effect of that is an assault. These types of people that with the intent of this type of harm to you come in two basic types, right? They come in amateurs, basically opportunists, and they come in professionals, people that do this for a living, right? A professional, just like the word suggests, right? This is how they make their living, right? They ransack homes and businesses. Professionals, they study their methods and they and their techniques just as like you or I would do in whatever we do for a living. So my experience, you know, the, the criminal knows it as well as I do from what I'm about to say. Whatever it is they're going to do, the closer they're going to get to eventually getting caught, right? So the more they do it, then eventually they're going to get sloppy because they're going to become comfortable, they're going to be complacent, and then they're going to make mistakes. So what these guys will do, these professional ones, what they'll do is they'll evaluate their risk and then they'll pit it against their possible gain. So if they do a particular job, right? If, if depending on what that level of gain is per job that they do, they might only do three or four a year, right? I'm talking about the professional here. Now, during this time, they'll usually pick up or study other skills like safe cracking, lock picking, right? That kind of stuff instead of just smashing things in, right? Safe cracking. A lot of people have safe in their house now. So they'll study that particular technique, all of which, right? All these things are going to do, right? Lock picking, safe cracking, and et cetera, you know, other stuff, whatever that might be. All this is going to enable them to go after higher value items, which in turn will allow them to work less and it will result in less exposure. So that being said, there's really not a foolproof way and I hate to say this, but there's not a foolproof way of ensuring 100% security of all your stuff and your and your belongings, whatever that might be. All right. Now, in my own personal opinion and my experience, I've always told victims of crimes that I've investigated, if someone wants something bad enough, then they're going to get it. That's all there is to it. I, I don't care what you do to it. I don't care if you nail it down, you put it in two safes, you know, a safe inside of a safe, they're going to get it. If someone wants it bad enough, they're going to get it. They will persist as long as they have to. But in the end, they will get it. Nothing is off the table for these people, right? The, these ones that intend to do you harms. Homes, banks, jewelry stores, currency exchanges all throughout the world. I don't care what country you come from. Happens in every country. And if they can do any of what I just mentioned, then they can surely get through a home security system, even the highest level of one that you've paid good money for. So again, I'm speaking of professionals. I'm not talking about the uh, the amateur opportunists here, but they're on a bit higher of a scale in terms of like time and effort, right? These people will spend like endless amounts of time and effort to study a particular job, and then they'll determine whether or not it's worth it for them in the first place. So if they go through and they knock off um, a neighborhood full of homes, uh, and then they unload the merchandise to turn a profit without exposing themselves too much, that also increases risk. So typically home burglaries, they might even be off the table for like professionals. Like I said, they'll stick to higher end stuff like jewelry stores or, or banks or that kind of stuff. But that leaves the amateur opportunity opportunist, which in this case, what we're talking about specifically, there's going to be a bigger market for that particular type of uh, conversation today because of the types of people that we're seeing out in the streets right now. These are opportunists. They're just thugs, right? They're, they're just, they're people that's, well, they're, they're losers really, but <laughs> they're your typical low level types, right? Looking for a quick buck. You see all those people out there that are looting, right? Same thing, right? Low level types, right? Low life types. They're out there looting, trying to get trying to make a quick buck, whether they're selling the stuff. We're sitting, Bruce, you and I looked, in, looked into it. They're selling stolen stuff all over eBay, all over Amazon, that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
is what it is. So that's what they're doing. But they don't have the expertise like a like a professional. Most likely, they're just looking for a smash and grab for quick cash, which is precisely what they're doing out in the streets. So they'll also do this in most cases for drugs. If they have a habit, they'll fuel that habit. But right now, they're just looking for some stuff, aren't they? They're looking for that Louis Vuitton bag. They're looking for that uh, that new Apple iPhone, all that stuff. But they'll seldom do research into something, right? And it's typically sloppy as you see what's going on out there. Like I said, they're, they're opportunists, right? They'll kick a door in, they'll smash a window without any real knowledge of, of anything of, of what's actually going on. They just know that they're in there to get some stuff. That's my take on the types of people that we're going to be we're going to be dealing with. And we can get into uh, we'll take get your take on it here, either one of you, and then we'll get into uh, steps that people can take to um, ensure the, uh, the security of their belongings. Yeah. OK, the professional thief. The cat burglar, the the blagger, the safe cracker. You know, you, you see so many movies glorifying the uh, the efforts of these people, like Ocean's Eleven, the recent Hatton Garden movie about the Hatton Garden job, where they tunneled from one bank into the vault of another, or from one building through into the vault. These people conduct a risk assessment just the same way as I would in if I was doing an engineering job, for instance. I'd look at all the risks and how to mitigate those risks. So although we'll, we'll come on to specifics, if you create risk to the thief, they are less likely to rob you or to attempt to rob you. And by creating risk, I mean the amount of time it takes for them to get into your property or your, you know, your, your premises, your building, your work building or whatever, the amount of time it takes to get in, are they going to be seen when going in? So uh, and, and detected that way. Is it going to uh, involve a great deal of effort to get to the particular item they want to steal? And then things like um, getting back out and getting away again. So, if, you know, the, 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 all these things are risks to the thief. So the more risk you create for the thief, time and effort, as you mentioned, Johnny, the harder it is for them to steal your items or your money or whatever they're after. And so the less likely it is that you will be targeted by a professional thief or a team of professional thieves. Let's get into what we can do, right? What, what can you do about a lot of these things uh, to pr- kind of deter this type of uh, this activity? So make sure that you're not th- this kind of assault or this kind of crime. So can um, I get this, go ahead. Can I get this, this one in? Sure. Overt displays of wealth. Don't let the bastards know you've got it. Yeah. As, as well as being sort of um, crass and a bit arrogant, overtly displaying your wealth makes you a target. So try not to show off too much. Um, flashing large, large amounts of cash in and around, you know, shopping centers and what have you, someone will notice. Well, it was probably about a year and a half ago now, I was in a local convenience store and a guy had a carrier bag full of cash. This guy was clearly... Uh, had mental illness problems. Uh, he, he looked disheveled. He was quite happy, but he was also drinking from a, a can of extra strong lager. And he just collected his winnings from the local bookmaker. And he was so pleased with you know his success. He was showing the, uh, the cashier all this money. I didn't like the man because he smelled horrible, but I walked him home because I wanted him to get home safely with his money. Because chances are, if he hadn't have had an escort on that particular occasion, he'd have got robbed for the lot. So yeah, over displays of wealth make you a target. So avoid them at all costs. 
you're a uh, you're see, you're one of those good people that that I was mentioning in the previous segment about being a good-minded person and and not doing harm to others that that kind of thing. That's exactly what you just described yourself as because you walked that gentleman home even though he was a um, shall we say he was putting off an aggressive scent, right? That that he, he he was a fat ugly drunk. That's what he was. <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. And 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 not terribly smart. Probably, you know, it, the best question you could ask him is what's your favorite flavor crayon so yeah he's 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 not he still lives around this this way and i see him every now and again uh, and i don't think he's had that much luck since but hopefully he got to um you know use that money wisely but chances are he lost it within the next couple of days at the bookies as well so did i do any good maybe for a couple of days but a fool and his money are soon parted. This is true. Okay, but yes, you did bring up some interesting points there, and um, and I'll, I'll I'll expound on some of those. But realistically, what what can you do in all this? Can you eliminate all the possibility of being robbed or, or broken into? Well, no, you can't. I mean, it's not entirely. It's not economically or even practically feasible to do it and still live a normal life. I mean, you could live, I suppose, in a um, a steel box. But uh, so so what can you do? You mentioned there about not flashing certain things. Right. So common items that thieves and, and, you know, people looking to do you harm will target will be exactly that. What you just mentioned, cash. Here's a guy who's out there flashing around all this cash. And of course, there's going to be somebody hanging out just off to the side. Right. That's the one you need to worry about. Who's eyeing up that guy who's, you know, he looks vulnerable, that type. And so, you know, that he's probably going to get taken advantage of. And you said yourself that if you hadn't walked him home, then he probably would have been robbed. And he probably would have lost all of his money. So that was a good thing that you did. But cash, yes, you really don't want to leave any excess cash laying around. You don't want to carry excess cash regardless of anything. I mean, that's a, that's a horrible thing to do. Everything is is pretty much on cards and stuff these days anyway. So, I mean, I only I carry cash, but just a little bit, not too much um, jewelry again. A lot of times, I mean, we're not really in the age of jewelry anymore, are we? That's kind of like starting to phase out the younger generation. They really don't care about all that stuff. So we really don't have too much of that stuff anymore. Again, things that they'll target, firearms, right? We'll get into a little bit of gun talk today because I think it's an important part of home defense, especially now. So we'll get into some firearm talk, but firearms are other things that uh, that they will commonly target. Now, firearms, you obviously, you want to keep those locked up. But like I said, we'll, we'll get into those here in just a few minutes. TVs, right? Everybody's got these big TVs nowadays. These big flashy 4K, 8K, 16K, whatever in the world K you got, right? I don't care. I don't watch TV. But these types of things. Tablets, big thing, right? Galaxy tablets, Apple iPads, all that stuff. Computers, laptops, especially these MacBooks, right? Those things started about a thousand dollars, a thousand pounds, you know, a thousand euros, whatever. And so those are not cheap. Keeping those just laying around, that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't want to keep that stuff flashed, you know, uh, flashed around in public. And people go to Starbucks and sit there with them and then, you know, walk away from their table. Well, what's it take for someone to go over there and snatch one of those things up unless you've got a Kensington lock on it? So um, stereos. I mean, if you if you're one of these people that still has this, you know, these these big expensive stereo systems in your house. Also, prescription drugs and any kind of over the counter medication. People typically target that stuff. Typically, uh, anything that's lightweight and a value is top priority for these these types of people, these opportunists. They're looking to loot your belongings. That's what they're there to do, whether it's in public or whether it's at your private residence. It's a, it's a smart idea to keep those items that I mentioned or even the smaller items. You want to keep those hidden away or you want to keep them in a safe, locked away in a safe. But, uh, you know, always, you and we'll get into this a little bit here in just a little bit. You always want to remember if you've got blinds or curtains or shutters, whatever, right, um, at night when you're away, 
right? You want to keep those things closed, right? You, you don't want people to be looking in your windows and stuff like that at night. So, but we'll get into that here in just a little bit because there's another side to that as well. Things that aren't inside your home aren't all the things that people, these people are looking for either. You go out and you buy yourself one of these big, expensive television sets, new Samsung or a new Sony or whatever it is, right? So you think, okay, well, nobody's going to know I've got that thing wrong. You take that thing outside and you bring it in from the outside. You know, you're out buying laptops and, and things like that. What are you going to do with those boxes? You're going to toss the boxes, right? Well, people are going to see that you've got those boxes laying outside. And then they're going to see that stuff. So what you want to do, you want to break those things down or throw them up in your attic. If you're if you're that concerned, you've got a warranty on the thing or something, whatever that might be. You want to make sure you keep those boxes hidden away as much as possible, because those can just be a signal to people that are around, you know, case in the neighborhood or if they see you walking around with one. You know, if you've got the, you know, these new laptops, they just come with carry handles on the boxes. I mean, what's it take for someone to just snatch that thing and run off? That's just the way that it is. Just to kind of nail in your point a little bit more there, that's especially important around holidays and birthdays because, uh, you know, extra boxes and whatnot. But yeah, pretty much everything that's uh, worth anything that isn't bolted down is pretty much a target. And even in some cases, things that are bolted down are, are still targets. So yeah, uh, same applies in vehicles. Don't have any anything in, in your vehicle visible that could easily be stolen. It doesn't take much to break in and get it. So Yeah, you said a couple of things there, Johnny. Jewelry, okay? It has gone kind of out of fashion a little bit, but some people still wear it. And if, like most people, uh, you post on your social media uh, photographs from the last family uh, dinner or, or a night out and you're wearing your bling, that's a, a really fast way for semi-professional burglars to realize that you've got some now they don't know if it's paste or not but if you if you're clearly wearing some very nice jewelry you start to become a target so you you do have to be careful what you post you've said this before in fact i remember you saying this on the last time we did this that social media and your trash are two ways of people investigating if you've got anything worth stealing I'll let you come back to that in a moment. But the other thing you said about firearms, here in the UK, uh, and I'm not saying, no, I am saying we've got it right. (laughs) We cannot own firearms per se. We are in, if we we can apply for a shotgun certificate to let us um, own shotguns for wild fowling and pheasant shooting and, and pest control, and we can own hunting rifles for deer shooting. But... The police have to come to your home before you even get the weapon and before you get the license to inspect your gun cabinet. And you have to have a cabinet that is triple locked and bolted through the bricks, through the cavity to your wall. So that if someone does come into the house, they can't just pick up a gun and go away with it. They've got to either pull this thing off the wall, which would take crowbars, noise and time. This is one of the risks to any theft is time, you know, as in the risks of being caught. If it takes a long time and it's noisy, you're going to get detected. And um, and so our gun cabinets are how we keep our shotguns and, and rifles safe. I take it you don't have similar, you know, laws in the US as far as 
how your weapon is stored. What are these laws you speak of about storing weapons? What is this? You, <laughs> you, uh, you said something there about um, the gun cabinet having to be anchored through a wall and, and all that, stuff, triple locked and all that stuff, which I, I'm not against that because where I'm at, it's the same thing. I, I know people that own guns here and I, I'm not against that. I'm, I'm for people having the gun safes and having them secured and, and things of that nature. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. However, are you going to get up in the middle of the night when you hear somebody in your home breaking into your home and go through all that nonsense to try and get that gun? No, you're not. So in the U.S., we have different types of things. The responsibility is placed upon you. See, it's not about whether or not the government gives you permission. Our Constitution, our Second Amendment in our Constitution gives you the permission. You don't need the government to say, oh, well, it's okay for you to do this. Uh, We have that permission from our Creator not the government. So that, that's where we're at on it. But we have other things to keep safety in mind. Example, and I'm sure you've seen these before, we have furniture that's designed to have locking mechanisms built inside the furniture. For example, a headboard on your bed, right? If you're sleeping, you touch a button on the side, out pops your AR, out pops your handgun, whatever that might be, and you have instant access to that. Also, we have instant access pistol safes. So if you have handguns, which handguns, that's a completely different story in the UK, but Uh, handguns in the United States, if you have an instant access pistol safe, which you can get these for anywhere between 100 and all the way up to three or four hundred dollars, then you put in a specific combination of buttons from your fingertips on top of this thing. Or I think even some of the higher up ones are biometrics as well. So it goes off of your fingerprint. And all of a sudden the door pops open, out pops your gun, and you can go and Take care of that pest control, as we like to say. You mentioned something there about pest control. <laughs> um, I mean, in this case, in this sense, if someone's breaking into your house, I mean, essentially, that's pest control. Am I wrong? Or, I mean, are you seeing it differently? Well, first of all, the only reason that we're allowed to have shotguns or firearms is for hunting, full stop. They are never, ever for home defense. So, you know, we haven't got that option. And... um I don't know because I've never tried to buy uh, a gun in the States, but even a a fairly entry-level pistol or shotgun for home defense might cost, what, three, four hundred bucks? Well, no, not necessarily. It it depends on what you buy. I mean, there's several different brands. It's like buying a car, right? (laughs) I know that sounds kind of crazy. But but from a a store, maybe it's a used weapon, but still registered and then sold on to a registered... Mm -hmm gun shop, mm-hmm. you can look at things that are even cheaper. Now, these weapons might be in a very poor household. So you, you live in a rough neighborhood, you're barely making ends meet, you've bought your entry-level home defense weapon. How can you afford a biometric pistol safe or the electronic version, that, or the, the electric motor version that pops up out of the headboard of your bed? You can't. Oh, that's you can't what, afford that's it, but you can still afford the gun. Yes, so that- the security of that weapon is your responsibility. Now, most people get burgled when they're out of the house. So in one of these poorer neighborhoods where someone's just coming in to pick up a few bits and pieces to to sell on really, really quickly, make a hundred bucks or, or whatever so they can go and buy drugs. If they come across this weapon, all of a sudden, what was a registered legal weapon is now into the criminal system. So it's it's a real dilemma. I believe like you do that everyone should be entitled to defend what's theirs and their their person and their loved ones with lethal force if the situation calls for it. But it's a real problem, isn't it? Because not everyone can afford these super safes 
that, that you've just talked about, but they can afford the gun. I just, well, you know, so, I, I don't think we've got any more discussion to, to have on that. I think it's just a statement of fact. Well, so like I said, some of those things are, are relatively inexpensive. I'm talking about like, uh, like, I, like I said, they go anywhere between, I, I've, I think I've even seen them as low as $65 before the instant access safe I'm talking about. Like the higher up ones, the higher, you know, the more expensive ones, the ones with fingerprint readers and all that stuff, those are a little bit more. You know, those are about three or $400, but I've seen them pretty low and, and pretty affordable. And I mean, I know some people that have some of the lower end ones and they work just fine, but Yes, the ones where the drop down headboards and the, the coffee tables and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That is expensive stuff. But as far as anything else, I mean, you can pick up the, the instant access stuff at, at a fairly reasonable price. Now, in the beginning, it was really expensive as, as just as any new tech product on the market is. But as time has gone on, uh, it, it's gone down. And to be honest with you, the average person, when they go out and they purchase a firearm legally, mind you, I'm not everything we're talking about here is legally, you know, under no circumstances. Am I an advocate for illegal gun ownership? Under no circumstances is that ever the case. But I th- also think that if you go out and you purchase these things, you don't have any business having them unless you know how to responsibly care for them and use them. That's all there is yeah. to it. Because you have to be yeah. responsible in order to uh, in order to have these things. Uh, because that's part of how the prevention of injury happens. Case in point, look at what's going on in Seattle. We're not going to get political today. But last point I was going to make on that was if someone goes out out and purchases a firearm, let's say that you know they live in a bad neighborhood and they've got children and, and a family in there to protect. Nine times out of 10, I'm not going to say this is true in all cases, but nine times out of 10, the people that are going out to spend that money, they will spend whatever amount of money they feel as though they have to in order to protect their family. If that includes buying the protective measure to, to store the gun in, then they'll buy that as well because they won't put their family's life at risk when at the same time they're trying to protect them. So they will spend that extra money, whatever that might be, whether they have to go in debt for it or not, I, odds are they probably don't care. So that that's yeah. where I'm at on it. Um, we, we spoke about it the other day, about the fact that, um, well, I stated that sometimes my opinion is only my opinion and that I'm no expert. But in those homes that haven't got the gun safe of any kind, one of the first places that the criminal is going to check is top drawer of your nightstand and under your mattress. And that's pretty much where the pistol is going to be in a house without a gun safe, isn't it? So people Mm -hmm. have to be a little bit more inventive and a little bit clever. Make sure you've got, you know, if you at all possibly can have the gun safe to keep your firearm away from criminals. Also, because I started this talking about the jewellery, gun safes are really good places to put your valuables as well, especially like my one. It's going to take two men with with crowbars and, and sledgehammers to get that off the wall. And... Opening the locks is not easy without the keys. So that's where valuables go in my house, inside my gun safe. Bruce, do you have any comment there on gun control before we jump to uh, security systems? At least here in the U.S., one of the, the, the cheapest methods of protecting your, your firearms is a um, trigger lock. It's not Obviously, it's not going to prevent them from stealing it, but it'll deter them from using it for a time at least but as far as one of one of the systems that would i i would not like having in the u.s at all it would uh, other than the fact of being unconstitutional but having the police having a registry of all the people that own a firearm is not something i want the government to have to possess and but that, that that's the american side of me so you know but that's that's for another discussion so uh i wanted to jump over to security systems uh now 
one thing I wanted to, to touch on this, right? No security system out there is foolproof. None of them, right? But they can be a good deterrent, right? So if you're, let's say, for example, you're going out and you're, you're buying a new house, right? A lot of people are buying homes nowadays. New homes, they'll come with the security system already installed. I know people that just bought a house not too long ago, and there was a security system already installed in it. What you want to do, though, is you want to have that thing checked out right? By, uh, by a professional, right? You want to have it come in, give it a once over, look for faulty sensors. Uh, if it's battery operated, uh, and you want to have it checked for overall performance quality. You want to delete all the old passcodes, right, from all the previous owners, and you want to select a new security pin, right, that's easy for you to remember, but difficult for thieves to guess, whatever it is, right, whether that's a four-digit, a six-digit, eight-digit, whatever it might be. But if you don't have a security system in your house, and you you might want to consider getting one installed. So, I mean, now's a great time to do that. Security systems and their monitoring features, right, these can be excellent deterrents for anybody that tr- tries to break into your home or come in and, and steal stuff or, you know, whatever it is, though it can be kind of annoying sometimes if you accidentally set it off yourself. I mean, I'm guilty as charged. But there's countless features that come with these things. So, you know, some are p- pretty valuable ones and others are... I don't know. You have like outdoor motion sensors. I mean, I wish GP was in here. I mean, this guy's got like seismic sensors and all kinds of crap. I think he's got nested 50 cal machine guns on his gutters or something. But <laughs> he's, he, he does. He's crazy. But, you know, a squirrel set that thing off one day or something. But yeah, outdoor motion sensors, sensors on exterior doors and windows, um, the door attached to the garage sensors on there as well. Outdoor alarms to alert the neighbors to an intrusion if you if you have uh, neighbors nearby and security cameras. All kinds of stuff when it comes to security cameras nowadays, man. They got all kinds of great stuff that you can buy for your house now. I mean, it used to just be exclusive to like businesses and and law enforcement and stuff like that. But you can get all this stuff now for your house. But you want to select a system that's got the best features that fit your needs. But you want to also go with a well-known type of brand or you want to go with a well-known business uh, that, that specializes in this kind of stuff. Now, none of us are security experts. None of us are home security experts, nothing like that. But, you know, you're going to have to call a professional for that type of feedback. But once that thing's installed, you want to make sure that you use it as a, you know, on a regular basis to get yourself in the habit of using it. Because what was it, Bruce, you said during time management way back in the day, takes about 21 days to form a habit, something like that. So yeah, Yeah. the more you use something, the more you're going to get in the habit of, of actually going through that repetitive process. And then you'll just do it by default. So it might seem inconvenient to have that, that security system armed every time you leave the house. But many of these people that intend on breaking into your home, Right. They're aware that sometimes that responsibility is kind of neglected by some of us sometimes. So this is precisely why you want to um, get in the habit of doing that. Also, if you feel comfortable doing it, stick a sign in the yard says, hey, you know, I got a home security system or put a sign on your fence or whatever it is you have. So you want to follow along with that, get into the repetitive process, form a habit around it. And then you want to do your best to learn and inform your family about that security system so you can cut down on the false alarms and make so you don't accidentally set it off. So if you have that happen, this is the problem. If you have that happen, if a false alarm happens, that can actually kind of get to a point where if you call the police or if the if the police automatically get called, sometimes they'll if it happens too often, they'll issue you a fine. For, for menacing or something like that. And if you have outdoor alarms, that's probably going to annoy your neighbors. I'm explaining this because you don't want to have the situation where the boy that cried wolf, you know, you, you don't want that, where eventually something really does happen. And then they say, oh, well, it happens all the time. They'll just ignore it. So you want to avoid that situation at all costs. So these new systems that are out now, these uh, and Marty, I think you told me that you've actually got one of these or you're thinking about getting one of these, the uh, the Amazon ring systems, the vision and intercom units on the doors. Do you actually have one of these things? Um, I couldn't possibly comment. However, I do have a friend who has. Okay. And uh, it recently did stop a burglary. 
somebody was attempting to steal bicycles from his integral garage, uh, you know, car or whatever you guys call it. And the camera on the door caught the guy. And the next thing you know, he was running away because he'd heard my friend's voice say, what the bleep do you think you're doing? Because that's transmitted out through the speaker. And it, and it worked. And it's very rare that you've got any, uh, here in the UK, the only places that will have direct lines to uh, the police station to to trigger a 999 call are businesses or build uh, houses, you know, private homes, where the individual who lives there has a firearm certificate and has firearms in the house. Sometimes if you have over a certain number of rifles, the police will insist that they have this direct line. But in most cases, we, we don't have them. Did, do the like the sheriff's department or, or the, the local PD, do they charge a fee for people to have these um, direct lines? Not that I'm aware of, no. The, the security companies do, on the other hand, if that's what you're asking. Sorry, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what I was asking. You know, yes, the security companies do. Here in the UK, a lot of the times, the security company will have someone monitoring a panel. They see an alarm triggered. They will call the home owner, mm-hmm. not the police department. Then it's up to mm-hmm. the homeowner to call the police. But now, with, the, with these new systems that are relatively inexpensive, you get called immediately. You know, you get called direct. You cut out that middle man. man. It's a one-off payment for the system. It's just got to be put in a, into, in a place and fitted properly and maintained. Like you said, you have to make sure these things are working to help keep your home safe. And going back to what you said right at the start, if someone is determined to steal from you, they'll ignore that, particularly these, these low-end opportunists they will get caught on camera, they will come in, they will steal your electrical goods, and they will sell them to pay for drugs. But if you've got a security system and you've done everything you can to increase the risk of detection and identification, in this case now with cameras, then your insurance will pay out. But you'll still feel like a victim because someone will have infiltrated your home. You know, If you've got a determined thief, they will get there somehow. And if you've got an opportunist addict thief, they're going to ignore the risk and they will get caught. But there's not much you can do to stop that from happening other than the the things we're talking about. Okay, I want to jump over to um, another security feature that people can uh, take advantage of here. And this is a really low cost security feature. And it bears it bears relevance because, uh, like I said, this is something really simple. It's really inexpensive, and everybody can do this. Uh, and that's as simple as timers for your lights, right? A select few rooms in your house. You know, you can pick these out, and they can stay lit. This will reduce the chances of anybody casing that neighborhood. Someone might notice that you're gone. So, if you have these lights in your house, this is another thing. It'll it'll make it look like someone's home. You can have them triggered at a certain time. And you can have them kick off and then kick back on it, you know, so make it look like someone's in that room and moving in and out. So this is another very inexpensive thing that people can do and pretty much everybody can do it. So that's another thing you can do to kind of enhance the security uh, system you've already got in your house. But 
outdoor lights. This is another thing. Outdoor lights. This is another aspect that a lot of people kind of dismiss, especially around entrances. You want to light everything up as much as possible. You want to have those motion sensors on the corners, security lights at your, like I said, at each entrance, at each garage door, on the corners of those garage doors. And this, again, this will enhance that system as well. Also, uh, and I wanted to talk here about this since we're talking about outdoor lighting, since I brought that up, landscaping. You want to avoid too many things that will actually provide cover, right, for doors and windows. So you don't want to actually have too much, right? Sometimes you go around and you see these houses with these big hedge, you know, bushes and everything up above doors and windows. That's a bad thing because that allows somebody to hide just inside that or stay in cover while they're trying to break into that door or window. So motion sensor lights, like I said, right, that's another great step to consider when you when you do that kind of stuff outside, right? So the last thing that anybody wants when they're breaking into your house is a spotlight on whatever they're doing. They don't want to get caught. And so if they see that light on them in the middle of the night and then the neighbor's light kicks on across the street and a curtain opens up, they're going to take off running. So you want to place these sensors usually around the darkest parts of your yard and in areas that are kind of you know difficult uh, viewing areas from like, say, like the street or across the street, that type of thing. So when something triggers that motion sensor, it's going to illuminate the entire surrounding area of whoever might be hiding right where that particular thing is. So this type of stuff, security lighting of any kind. This also goes with timers for your lights on the inside. So usually you can pick all this up in one big bundle. But security lighting, like I said, relatively cheap. But homeowners that are looking to spend less and at least consider investing in some kind of security lighting around maybe your front and back doors, possibly. So, But ideally, you want to illuminate all the entrances to your house because sometimes people have more than one entrance. Again, you want to expose any type of potential hiding spaces that are on your property. Motion sensors make sure that you set the height of the motion sensor uh, in, in a variable way. So particularly if you can get two or three sensors on the entrances so that it will ignore a fox, for instance, but will pick up a man. It'll, it'll pick up a man moving. Some of these people, you know, if it's a, a professional job, they're not beyond crawling on their belly for yards and yards and yards to get to that door to avoid motion sensors. So you need stuff that being look down, look across and look up so that the, the sensors can pick up whatever is moving towards you. But you do have that problem of false alarms being set off by wildlife. So it's a tough call, but it's something you can consult a professional security advisor about when you buy the, the equipment. One real quick, uh, we kind of mentioned cameras uh, and whatnot there. Getting a, a good infrared camera is nice too, so it has night uh, vision capabilities. And my favorite is the newer ones that have come out. I don't have a model name or anything, uh, but it, it has a color night vision, and that is fantastic for, for um that kind of thing. And it's high definition and everything. So, yeah, I wanted to get into uh, this, uh, you know, a couple of points here on the end. You know, one of the things that I, I mentioned this on the last one, I think it's imperative now because nowadays, one of the things that we've kind of neglected, we talked about this a little bit the last time uh, on getting to know your neighbors, right? We've lost a lot of that in the midst of all this. No one really talks to their neighbors anymore. And, you know, it's kind of a sad thing to see because, you know, we've always kind of relied on our neighbors and, and you know, we had that friendly atmosphere in, in neighborhoods and things like that. So it's always a good idea to develop a, a good relationship with your neighbors, you know, develop a rapport with them, especially when it comes to like all this home security stuff that we're talking about. It helps you also keep an eye on your house when you're not there. 
so they can keep an eye on it for you. Say, hey, you know, old Joe there across the street, he's a good guy. You know, I'll keep an eye on his house for him. And they'll just do it out of the goodness of their hearts, right? That's what people will do in neighborhoods. Well, at least that's what they used to do anyway. Also, if you get to a point where you trust that neighbor enough, which, you know, your neighbors, you, obviously you should get to that point. And if you're someone who constantly locks themselves out of their house, your neighbor might be able to hold that spare key for you, right? Which is a lot safer than trying to hide it somewhere around the uh, around the yard somewhere. So like I said, get to know your neighbors. This is a really important thing because like I said, we've lost a lot of that over the years. Yeah, totally agree with you. In fact, didn't I bring that up in the last one where I'm just claiming glory you did. isn't mine? No, you didn't. Thank you, very you, you brought it up. Yeah, it's such a simple thing. If your neighbors know you are out or going to be out for any length of time and they hear something in your property or see something at your property that's suspicious, they will call the police for you. And it's such a great way to, you know, help each other out. In the self-motivation thing, we talked about kindness. We talked about just being nice to people. Be nice to your neighbors. Get on with your neighbors. We've got a friend, have we not, who um, you must have heard the stories about Everywhere he moves, he somehow manages to alienate his neighbors within a few moments. Mm -hmm. Don't Mm -hmm. do that. Don't be that guy. Just get on with your neighbors. We haven't mentioned dogs, owning a dog, and how owning a dog can, you know, really deter someone from coming into your property. But, you know, to my mind, it's one of the best of all time home defense, home security systems is, you know, a furry friend. Agreed. A slight caveat with the dogs. If you can get a medium-sized or larger-sized dog, those are usually more menacing to people, even though they tend to be uh, a bit calmer and more chill. Uh, the little ones aren't really um, as uh, useful in home defense, shall I say. <laughs> they, they do, of course, bark, and, and they, they'll, they'll warn you of somebody coming, but uh, they don't tend to have a, a setting on there that you can adjust to only bark at things the size of a man, for example. Uh, they tend to bark at other things as well. So keep that in mind. And it's obviously you don't want to go, uh, to get a dog unless you um, the, your place of residence allows that. And if you are able to properly care for the dog, you know, and you're not constantly traveling or gone all the time. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point, which is why oh, that would happen just then. That's a very good point. Well, and that's, that's a good point. Then we, the ding goes off. Then we don't. <laughs> and that's why I didn't mention it to, till the end, because dog ownership is a responsibility and it shouldn't just be for home defense, home security. It's, right. it's you know, it's because one of the benefits. Yeah, it's a benefit. It's not the reason. Right. Um, uh did I have another point? I can't think of it. It's another good reason to be familiar with your neighbors and in good with your neighbors, because if you ever do have to travel out, yeah. you have a dog, they can help with the dog. That's, that's right. And and for, I'm in a very fortunate position that our neighbors, both sides and across the street, we get on really, really well. And we, and we do look out for each other. Those uh, th- That was the point that I'd forgotten. Those low jack spying devices that some of us have got in our houses now can uh, be programmed no worse than that oh, it's worse than oh, that, no the thing that starts with a and it works for amazon yeah i got you yeah yeah those can be programmed to bark every 40 minutes every hour or, or whatever while you're out you can set them up to do that so that's what that's worth looking into if you've already that's interesting if you've already compromised your home security by having one you could at least get it to to do something against opportunistic criminals. It's good points you made there on the uh, on the dogs. Yes, I didn't actually have dogs written down on my uh, my little uh, notepad here. 
of things that I wanted to go over. But uh, yes, you're right. That that is one of the things. And like you said, it's also it's also a benefit, right? So there's two sides to it. Basically, you welcome in another member of the family and you get some home security out of it, too. So especially the one that I've heard from your side, Bruce, I don't think I'd want to go anywhere near um, that 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 uh, that that old girl. I don't think I'd want to go anywhere near that one. The uh, but I'm sure she's I'm sure she's nice to have around. She is. Yes. Uh, one other thing that we didn't really get a chance to do. And unfortunately, we're, we're getting really close to time here. So we're, we're going to have to go. But I wanted to cover a little bit of uh, heavy duty locks, right? And deadbolts on, on doors and things like that. Now, I'm not going to go into all kinds of uh, things here, but just to mention a couple of brands, uh, good higher end brands that are out there. 3M makes some fantastic locks. Uh, Master Lock also makes some good stuff. Uh, so if you're going to look into like uh, heavy duty locks and deadbolts and things like that, have a look at those. Also, uh, we talked about TVs. Sometimes when you're not at home, put the TV on a timer. Maybe that might help. Make it look like the TV's actually changing, like the screen's actually changing. So if someone sees that, they think, oh, well, somebody's upstairs and I'm not going to mess with that. Also, timers for your lights. This might sound crazy, but music being played. Sometimes if you have that being played, like if you've got a battery operated radio or something, just turn it on to a random station. And then when you're out, that kind of stuff. So if somebody hears that, someone's coming to a window or to a door and they hear that, I think, well, somebody's in there. That's another thing. Also, buy a safe. If you're looking into buying a safe, now's the time, especially good time to get into that kind of stuff. So look at some of the safes out there. I I can't really tell you there's all kinds of brands out there. Liberty Safe is probably one of the best ones out there. I know people that have those. They have great success with them. They love them. Like I said, heavy duty locks, alarms to have a look into um, uh, home security systems. Pretty much any electronic store out there, I'm sure if they don't have them for sale, then they can point you in the right direction. Also, you have local professionals that you can consult with. There's some bigger names over there in the United States, such as ADT and a couple others. And now these, now Google and Amazon are offering that stuff. But you know what? I wouldn't trust those companies as far as I could throw them. And I can't move them a half an inch. I would say get into self-defense, but we just don't have time because you're a good person. You know what? Next time, next time we talk about home security, Marty, we're going to talk about self-defense and you can take the lead on that side of it uh, because that's a, yeah. another important part yeah. of home security, I think. Sure. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about that. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to read it? Read it out. Read what? Oh, the, oh, that's what you want. Because, because, okay. Obviously, you will have to edit this bit out. But I need to go and make a drink. So uh-huh. I reckon that would make a really good finisher to to round the whole. Yeah. Thing okay. Off. All so right. I'm talking just to read us out with that. Then that way I've okay. got it forever. Then. Got it forever. Okay. Well, what I was going to do, I was going to round off here and then we can make that a closing point. Yes. We spoke there on firearms. Yes. Uh, firearms. Great. I mean, obviously you have to consult with your locale, you know, to consult with local laws, you know, make sure you follow all the guidelines, especially if you're looking into getting into buying guns, which the numbers of new gun owners in the United States over the last two years, Bruce, we pulled the statistics on that. The numbers are through the roof. So for good reason. Yeah. Wi-Fi systems. Again, we didn't talk about Wi-Fi systems, probably should have, but this is another aspect that relates to home security systems. Sometimes you'll have that system on a Wi-Fi system. Problem of being compromised there. Uh, Same thing when it comes to financial records and those types of things. Smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, those kinds of things, always fantastic to have around. Do not, whatever you do, I'll make this point. This will be my last point on this. Do not, under any circumstances, I hate social media. Do not, under any circumstances, don't ever advertise on social media or to anybody that you don't trust, even if it's for a day or less time than that. Don't advertise that you're out. I see all these people posting, oh, we're here, we're there, I'm here, I'm there, I'm, I'm doing, I'm on vacation, look at all this place. All you're doing is you're putting up a, a worldwide billboard to anybody that's out there that you're not home. That's what you're doing. 
So under no circumstances whatsoever should you ever advertise that you're not going to be home or should you use any of those check-in features somewhere if they even still do that kind of stuff. But anyway, that was all I had today, fellas. I will get into uh, how to install a Southern home security system. Is there anything else that either one of you would like to touch on before we um, step out of here today? No, I'm good. Good chat. Thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure as usual. And I look forward to the next time. Slight caveat with the locks. Mm -hmm. Mike. Jump onto YouTube and and do a little bit of research on those locks. There's a few YouTubers that are very well known that show you which locks to get. There's some types of locks that are really easy to pick or force through. So uh, might be good to uh, jump on there and check them out. I'm not going to end with a uh, with a fancy uh, w- with a fancy thing today. I'm going to end with um, something that I brought to Bruce's attention and to Marty's attention. A couple what was it, Bruce? A couple of weeks ago, because you're from the South. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not from the South. I'm, I'm from the northern Midwest. I'm from Ohio originally. And this isn't that uncommon in my part of the country where, to, you know, to see this kind of thing, it's how to install a Southern home security system. And when I read this off to you, you thought it was pretty funny. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave this as the closing point. So this is how you install a Southern home security system for anybody that wants to know in the United States. This is what you do. Number one, this is a four point system. So you, this is this is very sophisticated. So you have to just bear with us. Right. Number one, you go to the Goodwill, right? The Goodwill, for those that don't know, the Goodwill is a place where you can buy used clothing and discount clothes and things like that uh, for people that are you know not as fortunate. So you go to the Goodwill and you buy a pair of size 14 to 16 men's work boots. OK, that's step one. Step two, you place them on your front porch along with a copy of Guns and Ammo magazine. OK, Step three, you put four giant dog dishes next to the boots and the magazines. Step four, you leave. This is the final step of the how to install a Southern home security system. Step four, you leave a note on your door that reads, Bubba, me and Marcel, Donnie Ray and Jimmy Earl went for more ammo and beer. Be back in an hour. Don't mess with the pit bulls. They got the mailman this morning and messed him up bad. I don't think killer took part, but it was hard to tell from all the blood. Anyway, I locked all four of them in the house. Better wait outside. Be right back. Cooter. So if anyone wants to go visit Bruce, please, <laughs> please, under no circumstances. <laughs> no, but no, I thought that was pretty funny. I ran across that uh, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, no, seriously, it, at the end of it, you know, if there's any place in this world that an individual and, and their family should feel safe, that's, that should be in their homes. That should be your sanctuary away from the world. Right. But unfortunately, we kind of live in a world that has a high number of predatory animals, we'll say, uh, of the homo sapien species, such as, you know, uh, thieves, muggers, burglars, arsonists, rapists, assassins, murderers, those types of things. And I know that sounds bad, but unfortunately, that's the way it is. You see the mobs in the streets. Okay, you see what those people are capable of. You see what's happening now. So we do have the uncivilized in a so-called civilized society. So the mere idea that a government and a police department Right. You see what they're doing to the police department. Right. We see the vilification of police. We talked about it yesterday. See what's happening to the police all over the country. That's not being done by accident. That's being done on purpose because they have to collapse the police in the United States to bring in their new system. The police departments don't survive under that. Why? Because they're deeply rooted in culture and traditions of that particular system that they're trying to overthrow. They swear an allegiance to that system that they want to end. That's why they're vilifying the police. So the idea that the government or the police uh, can be anywhere and everywhere simultaneously, right? That's just absurd. That's crazy. So in a world of common sense, it's certainly not enough to ensure that every home can be free from harassment, loss, or even physical damage. But I think it's absolutely essential that 
every single one of us as people, right, be it at home or away from it, right, we're vulnerable to predators at all times anyway. So I think even without recognizing that fact in and of itself, it's difficult to understand the desirability or even the necessity to even protect yourself or your families or, or your homes or wherever you might live. So we become complacent. If we aren't used to seeing things in that light, then we don't necessarily think about that particular alternative, you know, or what could happen. So I think until it's properly understood by somebody, you know, I've said this before, I, I think I said it in the last one, our houses, your house, that remains your castle in name only. I think people have to look at it in the real physical sense of that meaning because the primary function of your home, that is the physical structure. That's to protect you and that's to protect your family. So thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Marty, for being here tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.